Hello and welcome to AFL Fantasy Experts Weekly Podcast, Talking Fantasy. I'm Chris Slater with George Debracus. George, welcome to the show and well done. You got the edge of the great rankings debate last week. So now I think we are pretty, uh, you've got the three-point lead at the moment, 15 to 12. Yeah, man, I told you, you've got to let you come in close for the listeners just to keep it exciting. But you got a bit too close to comfort last week, so I needed to just pull away again. Just pull away a little bit. Unbelievable. Well, let's quickly move on to the top non-fantasy <laughs> story of the week. Enough of talking about the great rankings debate. George, what was your top non-fantasy story of the week? So, mate, it looks like Sydney and GWS are set to relocate to the Sunshine Coast, mate. To um, Sunshine State, rather. So, you know, I think they were meant to play in Queensland this weekend anyway. Um, so I don't really think it affects the fixture. But it does mean that the, I guess, the advantage that some of the local Queensland teams being the Suns and, and the Lions have could get even stronger because now, seemingly, we're going to have games mainly in Queensland, a, a few, quite a few games in Perth, and then, you know, in the short term, a little bit in Adelaide. But again, I don't think that's going to be a full-on hub from what people are talking about. So, you know, we, we talked about it the other day, but it'd be interesting, A, to see how these Queensland teams go. Like, are they actually going to pull away? Um, and B, for me, what happens to injured players? So, obviously, Kennedy of the Swans, excuse me, did his knee, and Franklin's still a few weeks from coming back. Are they going to just go to Queensland, just hang around for five weeks, or are they going to stay back? And if they stay back and things get worse in Sydney, are they going to be able to get a flight? Is it going to be a private chart? What's going to happen? So there's quite a few question marks at the moment. Yeah, it is interesting. There might be potentially kind of like the Basher Hooley situation where uh, Hooley, I think, announced this week that he is going to be back in the hub on Thursday. So he'll do his two weeks of quarantine and then um, join the squad again. But um, it does mean that uh, if you're Kennedy and Franklin, you're staying here for a few weeks, are you going to be able to get the same treatment and recovery like you would if you had the full squad, et cetera, around you? It could add to their injury woes um, and make it a bit longer for them to come back. Yeah, for sure. Let's now jump over to the weekly studs and duds. So this is where we talk about the top performers relative to expectation last week in round eight for the studs. And the top, the first stud is in the defender, Zach Tui. He had a great game. He was projected pretty high as the number 27 defender, but he was actually the number two defender with a season high 123 adjusted fantasy points last week. He's actually averaged 96 adjusted fantasy points per game over the past four weeks, um, which is great form from Tui. Um, but last week, he really benefited from playing further up the ground given the injuries to a number of Geelong midfielders and forwards. So if that continues, expect Tui to continue to score well over the next couple of weeks. The second stud in the midfield position is Zach Merritt and what a game he had. He was projected to be the number 20 midfielder and he was actually the number one midfielder, not only of this week, but all season. He had the season high score of any player last week, taking advantage of it, that great matchup against the Crows to post a whopping 173 adjusted fantasy points. He's done pretty well this year. He's averaged 107 adjusted fantasy points per game, which is right in line with his 2019 average of 108 points per game. George, do you think Zach Merritt is now a top 10 fantasy midfielder in your eyes over some of the similar names there, kind of like 
Adams, Coniglio, Steele, Parker, Yo, and Cripps? Or are you thinking one great performance against an easy opposition like the Crows can really help make his numbers look a bit better than maybe what they are? I don't think he's been. I think he's been a top ten midfielder for a while. Quite frankly, I mean, across 2016 to 2019, he averaged 111 points, uh, and he played at least 21 games in each of those four seasons. So he's extremely reliable. Plays basically every week, and more often than not, scores well over 100 points. So this year, if you include his round eight performance, his his adjusted average is only 107. So that to me suggests that actually he's had a bit of a slow start to the year, and we should expect. Okay, maybe not the huge number we saw on the weekend, but but adjusted scores you know, in 110, 112, 115, um, that number ranges, something like that. So, you know, for me, mate, he's had a bit of a slow start, as I mentioned, but I don't think that he is by any means a fringe or one-off player. He's definitely a top 10 guy for me. Yeah, I think that's right, George. And um, the next stud is in the forward position. We have Andrew Brayshaw, who has been a stud a couple of weeks now. He was projected to be the number 25 forward in round eight, according to the AFL Fantasy Expert Weekly Rankings. And he was actually the number one forward last week. Like I said, one of the hottest fantasy forwards recently, averaging 115 adjusted fantasy points per game over the past four games. And last week, he had 128 adjusted fantasy points. He's really taken advantage of the injury to Nat Fife and increased his midfield minutes. George, what do you think? Can Brayshaw keep up this form when Fife does return to the side? Look, I think he can, mate. Um, you know, I think he's proven to Longmuir now that he's a genuine midfielder. The other thing to remember is Tucker, who's actually been spending a lot of time in the midfield, will not be available for quite a few weeks. It looks like he might even have to have hamstring surgery. So even if Fife comes back, I think there is a spot there. And I think that spot's going to be Brayshaw. So I expect him to continue scoring well throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely, George. And yeah, potentially as well when Fife does come back, you've probably got a week or two where Fife is going to be predominantly forward, which also um, might impact um, Fife's midfield minutes and keeps Brayshaw at a similar level for the next couple of weeks at least. Um, then we go to the last stud, which is Paddy Ryder. He was projected to be the number 16 Ruckman and he was actually the number four Ruckman. He had a season-high 91 adjusted fantasy points last week, and he's been pretty consistent all year. He scored at least 66 adjusted fantasy points in each of his five games. And given the Saints have done really well the last couple of weeks with the two Ruckman in the lineup, you would think that Ryder will keep his spot in the team for the foreseeable future. What do you think, George? Are you thinking Ryder is a viable second ruck option, um, particularly where there's not a lot of ruck options out there on waiver-wise? You're probably left with Ryder versus the likes of Soldo, McAvoy, Bell Chambers, Pittanet. I mean, I'm, I'm on the fence here. I'm going to say, who knows, right? I mean, I was so surprised seeing brought back into to the team a couple of weeks ago. I know Battles obviously had his injury and, um, you know, the, the facial injury that, that he had, but... It's, I'm just not sure, mate. Like, is, is St Kilda a team that's going to favour one Ruckman over two? Royal Marshall has been doing a fantastic job when he is the sole Ruckman. And Battle has been able to pinch hit in the Ruck among some other players. But Battle also shared some of the load. So, you know, if that's the game style, then I don't really know which week Paddy Ryder will be dropped. And it might not be a form thing. It might just be that, you know, Brett Radden doesn't think that he that he needs a team that, that is so top-heavy. So, I don't know. It, it's a hard one, right? Because when he plays, he does score quite well. But the question mark is, is he actually going to be a consistent player? 
And by that, I don't mean he scores. I just mean, will he play? Um, so I'm a little bit on the fence. I don't know. Whereas, for instance, say a, a McAvoy, yeah, he scores a lot more up and down, but he will play every week, whether it's you know on ball or, or in the back line. He will get a run. So that's kind of the hard one. And I, and I don't know which way I'd lean, to be honest. Yeah, it is, it is tricky, George. Not too many uh, teams are going with the two rucks at the moment. They're pretty much going with one ruck and then maybe someone like a McAvoy, if you've got signal in the team, goes in a you know, predominantly defensive position rather than what the Saints are doing is a very unique. Um, and maybe it was coincidence, but he did come back for the two games at Adelaide Oval where we know he's played a lot of footy for the power over the last couple of years. So maybe that had something to do with it. Let's now jump over to the duds. So these are the bottom performers in round eight relative to expectations. And George, an unusual dud here to kick things off. Sam Doherty, he was projected to be the number one defender and he was actually the number 64 defender. And he started 2020 in absolutely fantastic form. He averaged 118 adjusted fantasy points per game in his first five matches, but not so good the last three weeks. He has only averaged 73 adjusted fantasy points per game. And that includes a season low 65 adjusted fantasy points last week. George, what do you think? Doherty still a top five defender despite the last three weeks of being a bit of a form slump? Or do you put him behind some of those other names that have averaged a lot better than him over the last five games, including Lloyd, Mills, Sicily, Haynes, Shepard, Smith? They're all players that have had better scores than Doherty in the last five weeks. Look, they have, but I think, you know, what do they say? Form is temporary, class is permanent. Doherty's been around for a long time and he's scored very, very well for many years, albeit he's had a few injury interruptions. And as we saw at the start of the year, he was hot to trot. So maybe it's just a function of Carlton playing better footy and the ball hasn't been back there as much. But that being said, there will be opportunities for Doherty, I think, to continue to score very, very well. Um, and I would definitely be holding on to him. If, if, any, if anybody wanted to trade me, Doherty, for any of the players that you mentioned, bar maybe Sicily and Lloyd, but... You know, say a Shepherd, for example, or even a Brody Smith, I would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think that's right, George. It'd be interesting as well to see teams have been really focusing on Doherty and Cripps in tagging roles the last couple of weeks. But if Carlton can win more games where those two are getting shut out, then maybe that means teams say we actually have to defend more broader than just those two players, um, which is a good sign, hopefully, for Doherty owners and Cripps owners. The second dud is Patrick Dangerfield, um, who was projected to be the number seven midfielder, and he was actually the number 59 midfielder. He only had 73 adjusted fantasy points, which was his worst score since round one. And he had been in great form before last week. He had averaged 113 adjusted fantasy points per game in his previous six matches. George, do you still think Dangerfield is a top 10 midfielder and you're just going to give him a mulligan for this one-off bad performance in what ended up being a crazy wet weather game. No, mate. From a fan's perspective, I don't rate Danger. I mean, when he, was used to, when he, when he used to be a forward um, and had that dual position status, he was amazing because his kind of lower scoring games where he actually played more forward time were still very good for forwards. And then every now and then, he would go into the midfield, dominate as we know he can. I'm not saying he's not a great player. He's amazing. But he doesn't always spend as much time there. And I think now... I mean, look, in the very short term, obviously, Hawkins might not even play this week. Um, but longer term, Ablett, who knows when he'll be coming back. And they've had their issues with Jack Stephen coming in and out of the team. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Danger spending actually more and more time up forward, especially as Selwood comes back. Because I think they've figured out that Selwood can't really play anywhere other than right in the middle. 
He's amazing on ball, but he's not he's not a very good wingman and he's not really useful anywhere else. So I would think that given Danger's versatility, he'll end up spending more time up forward. And, okay, maybe the weekend score as a one-off might be the lowest he'll have. But that being said, I don't think he's going to be scoring top 10 midfielder numbers. Uh, I wouldn't have him on top 10 for the rest of the year, no. Yeah, I think that's a good point, George. When you add in this condensed fixture as well, they might think, let's save Dangerfield's legs, let, let him play every game, but give him a lot of forward time relative to normal, um, in addition to those injuries that you mentioned and outs um, in the forward line. The third dud is Jeremy Cameron. So he was projected to be the number 16 forward, and he was actually the number 116 forward. He's been well down on form in 2020, averaging just 69 adjusted fantasy points per game, relative to 88 points per game last year. And last week he had a season low, 43 adjusted fantasy points. He's really just suffered from a lack of opportunities in the Giants' forward line because the Giants are losing the inside 50 battle almost every week. And, and sometimes they're, getting, um, they're losing those by a huge margin. So, George, what do you think? Is it time to trade or, or even delist Jeremy Cameron um, or do you hope that he can turn it around? And, and if you think that he is a trade target, well, what forward do you think is fair compensation for him, but uh, potentially attainable? Yeah, it's a good point, mate. It hasn't really been the year, has it, for, for big forwards? I mean, we've seen Kennedy went crazy against the Pies, but when the team puts up the white flag at you know, not even three-quarter time, you'd hope that uh, a forward could, could dine out. And Charlie Dixon's obviously been the other one that's played pretty well, but... Week in, week out, we've seen more struggles and successes among the big men, and Jeremy Cameron's definitely in that camp. So I would be looking to trade him. I don't think their listing's right. I think there's still some value, and that there are some. There will be players and in, in every league, right, that are actually doing okay with injuries or whatever the, the the case may be, and want to take a bit more risk. For me, a guy that I think would be a fantastic trade target for for someone like a Jezza Cameron would be a wing guard. Um, a few years ago, obviously when he played at Port, he had some crazy numbers. This year, he's up and down. So he started very, very well. But kind of with the, the form of the Hawks, over the last few weeks, albeit he had a better week on the, on the weekend, but it's on the weekend, his form has dipped and dipped quite considerably. Um, so you might be able to find that, you know, over the course of the year, Wingard scores are more contingent on him just getting more of the ball, which may be more likely than, say, Jezza Cameron kicking a bag of six. And so if you can kind of get to that point and that way of thinking, you might say, you know what, that's a good trade uh, if you're a Jezza owner. Yeah, I think that's a good move, George. I think, yeah, like you said, the power forwards have struggled this year and um, and even the good ones like Dixon that you mentioned, you still get a lot of volatility and up and down depending on, uh, on the delivery and the uh, opportunities they get. Then the last dud of the week, and we've given him a lot of credit the last few weeks, so we thought we would also punish him when he had a downer, Tim English. He was projected to be the number six Ruckman, and he was actually the number 20 Ruckman with a season low 51 adjusted fantasy points last week. But he still remains a top five Ruckman um, in fantasy points per game in 2020, averaging 98 adjusted fantasy points per game. So don't worry too much. Uh, Tim English owners last week. All signs point to probably being just a one-off bad display from English. Um, there was wet weather, obviously, which significantly dampened his performance. English normally likes getting a lot of his points and marks around the ground, which was very difficult given that bad weather that the doggies faced last week. And and also he went up against one of the elite tap ruckmen in Jared Witts. So given that was where most of the points were in the taps, so that obviously suited Witts a lot more than English, who likes to do 
his work around the ground. So um, bad week, but still hold firm. English is still probably a top five to seven fantasy ruckman for sure. Let's now jump over to the injuries this week and a bit of an update. So on the defender side, Daniel Rich will miss one to two games um, and Vlosten will miss one game um, with injuries, while Tom Duday and Dane Rampey are both likely to play following the injuries suffered um, on the weekend. Um, Rampey played through his and Duday went off early injured. In good news, though, we mentioned earlier, Basha Hooley heading to the hub this week, so he'll be back to play in two weeks or three matches' time. And there's a lot of fantasy defenders coming back this week, we expect. Zach Williams, the pick of the bunch for GWS, but also Jeremy McGovern, Josh Battle, and Jamini Bishop should all return. On the midfielder side, there's been a couple of big injuries. Pendlebury and Brad Crouch will miss the next two to three weeks, which might end up being up to four games. Um, given the condensed fixture, while Ricky Henderson uh, was uh, injured and pulled out ahead of the game last week, will miss three to four weeks. But good news, we've got Cochin will definitely return this week from injury, as will Dylan Shield from suspension, while Nat Fife seems very likely to return to play from injury, while Joel Selwood and Callum Ward are tests, but both chances to return, both earlier from expected with their injuries. Ben Cunnington may play, but it's looking unlikely, as we said, as we've said for probably the last couple of weeks. It's really uncertain when his back will be right and when he returns. George, we've got some of those uh, fringe returning players there that are, could very well be free agents in your draft league. Um, who do you think's the pick of the bunch to pick up and start? Are you going with Cochin, Ward, or Selwood? I think, mate, balancing form and injury, because obviously Cochin doesn't always play or what will probably get managed over the next few weeks because of his hamstrings. But I, I would still take Caution because his form has been the best this year, followed by Selwood, who could even be back this week and, and historically has been very reliable. And then Ward, who has been a 95 averaging midfielder, but obviously recently has had his knee issues. So that, that'd probably be my order. Caution, then Selwood, then Ward. Yeah, that's, uh, it is tough. They're all pretty tight, but um, maybe maybe you are right there, George. Maybe just Cochin over the other two. Let, let's now jump to the forward injuries we've got. You mentioned earlier Darcy Tucker. He'll miss an extended period with that hamstring injury. While the other docker, Michael Walters, may not play due to injury. That will be probably a game-time decision. Tom Hawkins is challenging his one-game suspension at the tribunal tonight, so still may play, but uh, we'll see if he can have it overturned like Elliot Yo did last night. And we've got a couple of returning forwards this week. Seal Sidebottom, which will be great news to his fantasy owners. He probably comes straight into your lineup and um, as, as your number one forward um, if you have him. And Jack Stephen also may return, uh, seems likely to return this week from being rested last week. While Luke Bruce and Josh Jenkins are 50-50s to return from injury. And finally, Ruck Steph Martin. Um, it happened just before... Um, the game last week, it was announced that he will miss the next six to eight weeks. So a big blow to Steph Martin owners and you probably have to delist him from your teams. Uh, Jonathan Segler may return this week. Sean Darcy is 50-50 to play um, after an injury suffered last week, which might help Rory Lobb. And um, Scott Lysette, it has just been announced that he is definitely out this week. So if you are a Laddams owner, good news, you will get him to start for another week. Let's now go to the uh, one of the viewers' favourite segments, definitely one of their top five segments on the show, the player Snakes and Ladders here with George. 
He, George, this is where you tell us the players that you want to bring in and the players that you want to get out of your team. Yeah. So I think this week, Matt, I've only focused on, on two key players. The first one is in the back line, and that's Jasper Pittard. I think he's got to go. So he's shown glimpses throughout the year of his potential. He put up 110 adjusted points against the Hawks, as well as 87.5 against the Swans and 99 against the Dons. So I'm giving you three scores that are fantastic for a defender, and you're probably thinking I'm crazy for saying he's got to go. But that being said, overall, he's only averaged 69 points the year and only 61.5 over the last month of football. And I think there are tons of players on the free agency market uh, that can be brought in that have actually been averaging a lot, a, a lot better. So one of those players, and we did, we did speak about him last week, is actually Nelson. He seems to be going from strength to strength. He posted 87.5 points, uh, adjusted points on the weekend to take his average across the last month of footy to about 89 adjusted points. So as I said, he's had a very good month. Um, and I think he's one of these players that just benefits from, one, being back in Perth, but two, this Eagles style of football where they just chip it around, Hearn, Shepard and, and Nelson actually are able to control the ball and the momentum. And as the Eagles have been playing better, especially at home, a lot of these defenders, and I know this has been a topic of conversation in the past few weeks, have just gone strength to strength. I mean, I look like an absolute goose saying that Shannon Hearn a few weeks ago, might, it might be time for him to go. And as an owner, I did hold him, but I was thinking, all right, I'll give him one more week. Uh, and I think this is actually the time where you can find a lot of cheap players um, that are available just because historically that they might not have been playing so well and it's only so recently that their form has um, improved. So for me, that's a key one. Um, and then the final one, mate, so we've done this a few times. Unfortunately, Tucker is injured and I would be extremely surprised if he plays this year. He has to have surgery. Well, most likely, it's not confirmed yet, but most likely have to have surgery on his hamstring. Um, and if that happens, given the condensed nature of the season, at least from an ultimate footy perspective or an AFL fantasy perspective or a super coach perspective, you know, everyone, unless you're one of these very, very few leagues that tries to play through the final series, is done before our final start. And I don't think Tucker's coming back until, you know, in a few months' time down, down the line. So I think he's just got to go despite his hot form. One to bring in again, which again, you can probably find off the, off the free agency in many markets, is Keys. So he's been playing more up the ground, um, getting more of the ball, applying more pressure on, his, on, on opponents and, and tackling a lot. Um, and I actually think he's, he's pretty good value. So across his last five games, he's averaged 83 adjusted points as a forward. And as I mentioned, he's, he's still available in many, in many leagues. And I don't know, Chris, what do you think? I think he could be a pretty good tackle replacement. Yeah, George, great point. So in, uh, in my fantasy draft league, the free agent waiver wire request went in for restricted free agents and number one and number two most sought after free agents, if you had that priority in the waiver wires, number one was Keys and number two was Nelson. So you're pretty spot on here. Um, but I really love Keys. He has been getting so much midfield time lately. And with Brad Crouch now out injured for the next two to three weeks, that will definitely continue. If he's a free agent in your league, um, definitely pick him up now. He's a great option. Um, and yeah, definitely agree. It's time to jump off Pittard. He, um, he's actually been having a pretty negating role the last few weeks. Reese Shaw's been using him in a tagging role of the defensive um, star player like Doherty last week. So in that role, he's not going to get many touches like he was previously. But George, let's now jump over and finish up with the great rankings debate. You've obviously dominated this last week after it was neck and neck. What are you going to go this week as your captain option? So I think 
if we're talking in the, in the absolute, I do agree that Grundy should be the captain choice this week coming up against Frio. I don't think that they're going to post much of a, a battle to him. And he didn't play very well at all against Nick Nat. So I do expect him to bounce back. But that being said, mate, I really don't understand how Tim Kelly is out of the top 15. So, all right, he didn't have a fantastic start to the year, but he's one of these players that we mentioned a few times, right, that he's coming back into the West Coast way of life back at home and scoring at will. So, for me, I'm going to be taking Tim Kelly over what seems to be the out-of-form Coniglia. Look, George, you've, uh, you underrated Coniglia a few weeks ago against the Bond, and that cost you a point, and I think it will again this week. He's been sneaky good over the last four weeks. So Coniglio's last four games, he's averaged 112 adjusted fantasy points per game versus Kelly, who's also been very good, like you said, has averaged 108 adjusted fantasy points per game over the same period. So Coniglio is actually the form player slightly over the two. Plus, um, it just seems like Coniglio, he seems like a consistent performer over the long term, averaged over 100 points per game the last couple of seasons. So I'm pretty comfortable in this one. But let's go over to the defenders. Who are you going to take, George? So this is another one that confused me. I was completely with you on our little write-up in, um, you know, on, on our website about the fact that Anderson is killing it this year, um, especially when... Cunnington isn't playing, and he's playing Adelaide this week. And yet you still got him in spot number 50. I mean, what is going on? On the other side, we've got Seb Ross, who's hopelessly out of form, and yet he's doing, you know, he's way higher on the ranking. So I don't know how that works, mate. For me, I'm taking Anderson over Seb Ross. Yeah, look, I'm, I agree. Anderson's a hot prospect. He's cracked into the top 50. He's done well, but... Um, Ross has been slow to start 2020, but I can't help but think he's going to get his scoring up eventually. He's averaged 94 and 107 points per game over the last two seasons. It's been announced Henderbury's going to be out for an extended period. So you've got to think that, um, you know, even though he wasn't playing, surely there's going to be opportunities for Seb Ross in this com compressed fixture coming up. So I think he improves a lot. And Anderson, sure, last week, fantastic week, did a great performance and he has a good matchup this week. But long term, Ross has been the far better performer of the two. Um, George, now let's go to the defenders of the weekly rankings and who you are challenging. So I think... I Defenders. All right, here we go. So, I don't see Fritch scoring well this week against Port. And what I mean by that is he only seems to actually get any points from a fantasy perspective when he kicks goals. He's, I don't know why, but he's only really been... And he's, playing, he's playing okay for Melbourne, but he hasn't been getting much of the ball at all or even taking that many marks. And I think against Port, Melbourne are not going to do very well. And I just don't see him scoring you know, much at all. Um, and I don't see him getting much of the ball. So I think from that perspective, mate, he's going to find it pretty tough. On the other hand, and again, this is a bit more about form, but Birchall seems to be back. He's averaged 89 adjusted points over the last fortnight. Um, and he's been getting a lot of the ball, controlling the back line very well. Seems like the Birchall of the Hawks, honestly, mate. Been playing very, very good footy for Brisbane. So I'm going to pick him over Fritch. And by the way, can you explain to me why Stuart is outside the top 25? I saw that one, but I was a bit, I was a bit surprised. Yeah, look, starting with Stuart, he did have a shocker last week with only 54 adjusted fantasy points. And, and you know, a bit conservative the first week or two when players return from injury. So, you know, some of my players that just snuck into the top 
25 that I took over him, like a Ridley, Luke Ryan, etc., have been in very good form. Two is another one in good form lately. So I went with form over long term. I do agree, Stuart is probably a better option than those guys. Um, and the yeah, this matchup, Fritch and, and Birchall, it is a, a bit of a coin flip. I'll give you that. They've both averaged similar scores this year. Um, Birchall, though, I, I wonder whether he benefits a little bit from Daniel Rich. Daniel Rich, beautiful kick, loves to use the ball. And I think a lot of defensive um, forwards and, and the game plan goes into stopping Rich week in, week out. Now that they've got the Bombers have a week to game plan on what they do here, I wonder if that attention shifts from Rich more to Birchall, which might mean that Birchall is slowed down a little bit more than he has been in the last few weeks. George, now let's jump over to the forwards um, on the weekly rankings. So two weeks in a row, I'm going after McPherson. He is junk this year. Across the last month of footy, mate, he's only averaged 47.5 adjusted points. I mean, what is occurring? Um, and for me, especially hearing that Lysette is definitely out, I do not know how you cannot take Laddams this week over McPherson. So I think this is an easy one. You may as well just put this one down in the win column because I'm going Laddams over McPherson. Look, George, I actually did my rankings without the benefit of knowing that news that Lysette is definitely out, but I'm still going to stick with this decision. I think that it comes down to matchup, doesn't it? Laddams has done pretty well the first couple of weeks against the Saints who haven't been that great at stopping opposition Ruckman this year. Um, last week he did well. Um, and against the Blues the week before, which is Pitternet. Slight difference in class this week. He goes up against Max Gorn and the Demons, who have given up the fewest fantasy points per game in Ruck to Ruckman in 2020. I think McPherson could get 50 adjusted points, and that will still be enough to beat Laddams against Max Gorn this week. George, let's finish up with the Rucks. So with the Rucks, mate, I think we need to look at the colours. Because Lobb scoring well against Grundy is not happening this week. I do not know why Collingwood have put down as an easy scoring team the Ruckman, but it's not happening. So I think the Pies will bounce back after, as I said, very, like very much raising the white flag against, against the Eagles last week. And I think they're going to get back to the defensive ways, restrict Freo, which will do two things. I don't think Lobb's going to be scoring very much. Um, and I don't think he's going to be doing very well in the Ruck. So I don't think he's really going to be doing much at all. On the other hand, Paddy Ryder, as we know, who knows when he plays, but it looks like he'll be playing this week and I'm taking Paddy Ryder over Lobb. Yeah, George, this is a tough one. I do agree. Um, you know, Lobb might have the slightly more difficult matchup against uh, Brody Grundy versus Ryder against Sinclair. But this one, I think, comes down... I've only got them one spot apart in 12 and 13, so it was very close. They both averaged similar scores in 2020. But it really comes down to opportunity. And with Sean Darcy under an injury cloud... I see big ruck minutes ahead this week for Rory Lobb. While Paddy Ryder's got that split with Marshall, not at Adelaide Oval as well, which is the ground that he has performed pretty well the last couple of weeks and his home ground when he played for the Power the last couple of years. I think Lobb, with the extra opportunity, does a little bit better than Ryder, but that one really is a, a coin flip on. So uh, I think that's a, a good choice from you from the, uh, the great rankings debate because it, um, it was a tough one to decide between those two. 
Okay, George, well, that is it this week. Let's hope that um, you don't steamroll me 4-1 again in the Great Rankings debate this week. So we're under a compressed fixture as well for the next few weeks. So there might be some changes to our shows, making them a little bit shorter, but still trying to give you some fantasy-relevant news. But, George, thank you very much for your time today. Um, and good luck to your fantasy team this weekend, George. Thanks, mate. You too. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and make sure you check out all of those rankings on aflfantasyexpert.com.au. Until next week, good luck with your fantasy teams for round nine.